Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Yeah. 
First book of Kings, chapter 3, verses 3 to 13. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. Now, O Lord, my God, you made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. That speech pleased God, that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise understanding heart, so that there shall not be anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have given also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the king in all your days. Solomon in his time not only became the most rich person on earth, but with all of this, he was also given a great privilege to use these riches. And so the privilege to have riches and to use these riches according to the will of God is the gift of God. And if God has given riches, Ecclesiastes 5.18, it is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, which God gives him, for it is his heritage, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God. The reason why we can have money as an equivalent of material goods and use it is the condition for money not dominating us, but we us dominating, dominating earthly riches or money. A question arises. How was Solomon able to achieve such a balance? Riches did not rule over him. This was his love toward God that was expressed in search for God or in actions of fulfilling the commandments and statutes of God. According to the text we've been studying, the love of Solomon toward God was expressed in his walk according to the statutes of David his father, in dwelling in prayer expressed in sacrifices, and in his direct search for distinguishing good and evil. This is the goal that Solomon uh, this is the goal that Solomon sought in his love toward God, for which he brought sacrifices or prayed according to the will of God that was contained in the statutes according to which David his father walked so that he can be taught to distinguish good from evil because any kind of sacrifice was necessary to bring according to the statute as soon as something was violated in the statute the sacrifice immediately called out the anger of God if it was violated just like prayer if it is not made according to the will of God and human desires are placed into it and God is asked of these human desires they cause the anger 
nature of God. When the people of God in the wilderness began to cry and moan and groan and ask for meat, God had given them meat in his anger. And this meat, while being in their mouths, the anger of God began to destroy them. And therefore, all of those people who pursue material goods and ask them from God, and then all of a sudden they receive and say, oh, God has blessed us. They don't even understand that this is not a blessing, but a curse that will destroy them. And so, to distinguish good from evil is to distinguish revelations that come from God, from our own desires, and demonic thoughts that portray themselves as the name of the Holy God. Just as Solomon, as well as us, in order to achieve this goal, it is necessary to have the wisdom of God that is given in the subject of the fear of the Lord, which is His wisdom. Isaiah 11.3 His delight is in the fear of the Lord, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor. God gave a wise heart, and God had practically filled him with his fear. He gave him to understand the essence of his statutes and commandments, how to fulfill them in order to achieve such a balanced, balanced relationship, in order to turn to his side. God. And obviously, in order to receive the right to have the fear of the Lord, Solomon, as well as us, need to eat curds and honey of supernatural origin, which are contained in the statutes according to which a person walks, who represents for us the fatherhood of God. It's written that he walked according to the statutes of his father David. He will eat curds and honey that he may know how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah 7, 15. We know that curds and and honey is a product that not we develop, but someone else develops. And in this case, this someone represents the fatherhood of God. For Solomon, this, in the literal sense, was his father. God gives to everyone his father, David, of course, if they accept him. Unfortunately, many children of God do not accept the person whom God gives them. They choose for themselves a person who would flatter their uncircumcised ear. And this is the calamity in all of it. When our worship to God and honoring God of tithes and offerings will coincide with the statutes that are contained in curds and honey received from the person who presents for us the fatherhood of God, we are filled with the fear of the Lord, which contains in itself the ability to distinguish good and evil. And so we are going to, right now, worship before God, serve Him, express our love, and acknowledge before us His authority and offerings of tithes and offerings. Worshiping before Him, let us stand and let us sing. Each time, this is that moment that is given to us as an opportunity to cut the root of all evil because the root of all good is authority over money. A person who has authority over money does not search for it. He searches for knowledge of God. You might ask, Solomon was rich. He was king. How come he needed riches? Don't forget that scripture says 
However much you may give your eyes, they'll never going to be fully satisfied. I don't know one person, millionaire, a rich person, who did not try to earn even more. And when finally the kings of the earth had reached such a glory that they had run empires, they ceased to care for earthly riches. They wanted to dominate heaven. They had no limits. But when you are found in God, there are limits. God is our rich, our riches. Therefore, let us sing together. And each time Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in their tabernacle of Moses or in the temple of Solomon, he was called to, according to the words of Moses, to raise his hands over his offerings and to proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the fruit of the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, over your offerings and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I do not give in purely. I do not give in sorrow. And I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Oh
Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. If a person begins to think and imagine in himself, can he within this time in this mortal body be perfect, just as the Heavenly Father is perfect? He sees that the answer is no, it's not possible, but here we have the command to be this way, and if there is a command, that means it is possible. And so linked to that path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of, path, of the path of Rebecca to Isaac. And I've been studying the signs presented in the bride of the lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the lilies of the valley upon which we are called to look so that collaborating with the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit we then be formed into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. There are specific principles that uh, are provided to help us form ourselves or become this way. Luke 12:27 through 32, one of the greatest principles in Scripture that is <coughs> explains to us how to be perfect. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, God so clothes, how much more then will he clothe you of clothe you of little faith, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all the things, these things the nation of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
And so considering the lilies means this is one of the conditions necessary to seek the kingdom of heaven. Fulfilling this condition gives us the ability to be dressed into the perfection of our heavenly father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved, where the state and function of her heart identify the virtues of the lilies of the valley that represent in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come in full strength. And as we talk about all the time, there's a big difference between the kingdom of heaven we receive in the form of a seed and the kingdom of heaven that comes in the form of fruit when it grows from the seed, uh, when the seed uh, releases roots and it grows into a tree to bear fruit. We've been studying this relationship in the allegories that are presented in the book of the Songs of Solomon. We see the requirement of the most beautiful of women to look at unseen goals, these unseen goals being the virtues of her beloved. Because based upon the words of Scripture, unseen goals upon which we are called to look, these unseen goals being virtues of God, with the unity of all his commandments, are presented in the life dynamic of the growing lily, and they are eternal. At the same time, seen or physical goals reflected in materialistic success, blissfulness and fame are temporary. We, being children of God, and so we, when we go to heaven, we will not need gifts of the Holy Spirit or anointing or blessings, because we will be with the anointer, the blesser, and the giver. We are going to be united, we're going to be one. When we, being children of God, when we pay our attention and look at physical or seeing goals, they transform us from worshippers of God into idol worshippers and result in a harvest of eternal dishonor, shame, and wilting. The scriptures uh, applies seen or visual things, not just wealth, but gifts of the Holy Spirit, because they are visual. These are, this is anointing that also reveals itself in physical things, blessings, everything that is linked to visual or seen things. If we focus upon these things, they are transformed into idols. What is given to us to be able to bless us and serve us becomes our idol and we instead of seeking God begin to, get, begin to seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead of seeking the anointer we begin to seek anointing these become our idol and a harvest then is yielded of eternal dishonor and wilting because obedience to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven is impossible without looking upon God's word, without focusing, focusing our mind upon that word, upon that truth that we hear. Therefore, the principle of looking is the foundation necessary for the act of the most, one of the most powerful methods and principles of sowing into the soil of our heart. And so those objects that we look upon with desire are sown into the soil of our heart and produce fruit that transforms our essence or us into the nature of that object. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Genesis 3, 6. And she saw if Satan would not have turned her attention to it, look at this, she would not have been looking at it. She was focusing upon those trees that were accessible and that she needed to eat of. The first commandment, you will eat of every tree in the garden. This was the first commandment. 
to them. And, they, and the second was, you will not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you will die. The third is to uh, keep and subdue the land. There was not just one command, there were three of them, and all of them were broken because she turned her attention and began to look at the forbidden fruit. The sowing of seeds of sin, as well as sowing seeds of goodness or righteousness, happen when you look upon these objects of sin or objects of good. Then it happened, 2 Samuel 11, 2-4. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, it is, is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she return to her house. And so what do you do when I see something? When you are in the right place and you serve God, you will not see, even if before you there is sin. It will not affect you. It will not do anything to you. It will affect you when you, in the right time of worship, you are in a different place. Why did this happen with David? Why did this happen with Eve? Because instead of uh, subduing the, uh, the garden and keeping it, she began to do something different. How was the serpent able to get into the garden? She was supposed to keep it so he'd not enter in. We need to keep the Eden of our heart where worship happens so that no evil thought enter in. Satan uh, sends a lot of different kinds of thoughts there that would be able to enter into our heart. The doors need to be closed and we need to be vigilant at the door that none of these thoughts enter in. Is it true that your pastor is speaking the truth? Is God really saying these things? But you say, well, yeah, it is true. And they begin to pervert the, uh, the truth and uh, cast stones. Your pastor is saying that alcohol is sin, but actually Jesus drank wine and the disciples drank wine, and wine is not a sin. They uh, cast stones, and when they don't know what wine it's talking about or if Jesus really drank or not about him, it says that he eats wine, eats bread and drinks wine with uh, tax collectors and sinners. But uh, Jesus, being a Naz Nazarite from his uh, birth, you know what a Nazarite was. They did not drink wine. They did not even, even eat uh, uh, raisins or eat grapes at all. And he was a Nazarite from his birth. His, his hair was never cut. He had them uh, in seven braids. He was not just from the land of Nazarite. He was a Nazarite himself, and they were not able to drink. And so when people begin to say such things, is it truly so? Is it truly so? Is it truly so that they give tithes in your church? This is a, a, only a part of the Old Testament, they say. But when they know, don't know the scriptures uh, and don't know the fact that they, the service of tithes was not in the Old Testament, it was before the Old Testament, it found its place in the command, uh, commandments of Moses and in the New uh, Testament, uh, they showed the uh, 
the comparison of giving in the Old Testament and giving in the New Testament, there people, mortal men, give their tithe. The tithe never went left or went anywhere or was not removed. It was it continues today. But these people will uh, question these things, and if you really begin to listen, this, uh, these kinds of things will happen. When you look at unseen goals <coughs> in the dynamic of the growing lily that are contained within the <coughs> that contain in itself the kingdom of the law of grace, they transform us into the image of the Son of God. Second Corinthians 4, 17, <coughs> For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The results of looking upon the growing lily is the manifestation of the life of resurrection in the body of a holy person, which becomes possible due to the death of the seed of the planted lily. 2 Corinthians 4, 10, 11. <clears throat> always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. It's talking not about when we tra are transformed or changed, but that the life of Jesus is called to be revealed in our mortal body. Then that means we need to be dressed into this resurrection of Jesus, not in the seed of the kingdom of heaven, but in the fruit that will come from that seed. The death of our Lord in us is the seed of the lily that has been fertilized in the soil of our heart. At the same time, the life of Jesus inside our body is the fruit that has been grown from the seed when we collaborate with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, the fruit being the lilies of the valley, the beauty of the lilies, one of the imperishable virtues of the Heavenly Father that is revealed in His Son, Jesus Christ, as well as those people born from God in Christ Jesus that have grown the seed of the lily into full measure of growth in Christ. Songs of Solomon 2.1.2 I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys, like a lily among thorns. So is my love among the daughters. You see how the father says that he has these virtues of a growing lily. He in himself, he always has this dynamic of the growing lily inside of himself. He says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon is a type, also a type of lily. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And so the natural beauty of the lily and the virtues of the bride of the lamb are contrasted to the thorns, the nature of other daughters attempting to claim the calling of the bride and the attention of her groom. Defining thorns by the words of Christ are the cares of this generation where a person looks upon seen or visual goals, these goals being materialistic success that chokes the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the death of the Lord Jesus, and it is sometimes without fruit. I remember being a child, always in our church we sang that we are walking upon the thorny path. And this thorny path, people thought that the thorny path was persecution. But Jesus says thorn is not persecution. Thorns are anointing gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are cares of this time, anything that is linked to visual things, materialistic success, uh, cares of this generation. Today people care more about being healthy, to be young. They look at all kinds of ways to do this. They don't look at unseen goals, that the unseen can make their body even more young and more wonderful, can take weakness from them, can take sickness from them, and the plagues of Egypt. They look at visual things, seen things, and look at what... 
other doctors are seeing. They don't. And so the shortest life in this world is the life of dietologists and other your purpose, your goal is to be the word of God. God created us of such elements that are in all products that we eat of the, of the earth and in meat also, all things that move I give to you for food. And so when people say that you can't eat meat, that is already against God's word. A person is, that's a devil who's already inspiring such teachings. They say we need to eliminate all uh, living things for food, but God says, no, I give these things to you. A person always has his own. He wants to be for himself God. And this is specifically why the other daughters claiming the status of the bride and the attention of the beloved are in the likeness of these thorns, because the goal and the object that they look upon became seen materialistic prosperity. The image of the lily in the heart of a person is the result of looking upon unseen goals that are contained in the virtues of the Heavenly Father. And this identifies our pure and imperishable wealth. The result of us looking at unseen goals is the fruit of eternal life, which is the kingdom of heaven that has come into full strength, that was previously received into the good soil of our heart in the form of the seed of the death of Christ Jesus from which we can conclude that we are created by God with such a purpose and such abilities, looking at these specific goals, they be positive goals or negative goals, we are transformed into the essence and the image of these goals. And so the essence of our abilities is that we are unable to look at two battling between themselves and rising up against themselves goals at the same time. And so this is the seen and the wilting and the unseen and eternal. Before looking at two battling between themselves goals, we as people given sovereign rights need to make a choice, a choice benefiting either the seen and the perishable or benefiting the unseen and the imperishable. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, the seen and unseen, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, choose the unseen, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. The earth that is talking about the land is the boundaries of the kingdom of heaven where you could bear fruit. This is the Eden of our spirit. This is our born Heart. Therefore, to choose eternal life and be dressed within the power of her resurrection, we need to not forget and always focus our mind upon the unseen virtues of God. In this situation, the dynamic of life that flows, the resurrection that flows in this growing lily of the valley. Unseen goals, being imperishable wealth, present the interests of eternal life in God and with God. At the same time, seen or visual goals, these being perishable wealth, present the interests of eternal death in Satan and with Satan. To look upon unseen goals means not to look back or not turn back once you know the path of righteousness. 
Psalm 119.5-7, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I look into all of your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. The image of the growing lily is the image of a person that possesses a wise heart due, due to the fact that he accepted the mind of Christ. That is amongst the lilies. The, the growing lilies are a symbol of people and truth. We came to the conclusion that a holy person tends a man with a wise heart between the lilies upon the condition that this person converses with other, other people that are like him, dressed into the virtues of the lily of the valley. Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Foolish people hope and trust upon the abilities of their intellect and are identified in Scripture as corrupt company. They attempt to interpret Scripture with their intellect. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived, evil company corrupt good habits. And so the preachers that preach from their own mind, they perverse the truth and Therefore, to determine and examine ourselves whether we belong to the family of the lily, as well as if we are part of the one who feeds us or tends us, we need to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the most beautiful of women in the virtues of the lily of the valleys in the book of the Songs of Solomon. So we can examine ourselves, do we have those characteristics? It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the one who tends us or feeds us in scripture or miraculously who needs to be our shepherd what god do we call christ if you can if you see in every church there's a different christ one is worshipped standing on their head others worship quietly others has in a mausoleum in every church uh, their christ is very different and every single one sees uh, their Jesus in a different way, but he is not how we see him. He needs to be shown to us as he is in Scripture by the Holy Spirit. It is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics written in the Songs of Solomon that identify those lilies. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feeds his flock among the lilies. Songs of Solomon 2.16. The truth contained in the growing lily of the valley is the result that happens from knowing the teaching about the blood of Christ and the teaching about the cross of Christ. These two are the root system of the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that produces the fruit of righteousness in the teaching of resurrection and about the eternal judgment. In a particular form, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied a series of the allegories that contain signs that identify the image of the bride of the lamb and the virtues of the lily of the valley and have been studying the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved in the book of the songs of solomon songs of solomon 5 2 through 5 i sleep by my heart is awake it is the voice of my beloved he knocks saying Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. 
кудри мои ночной влагою. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. And my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. We note that in the given place of Scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord reveals this, a sacred relationship of the holy people, these people uh, connected to the uh, soon-coming meeting of theirs with the Lord. This dialogue serves as evidence that they will meet with the Lord in the air. Therefore, if we have truly loved the parents of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine or test ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air when he appears for those who are waiting for him in salvation in their heart. And to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet her Lord in the air, we, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, studying these places of Scripture in Hebrew, present a more elaborate version. And I will present it, and I am gladly always bringing it again, or reading it again. I am submerged into the death of my Lord. I sleep. It's talking about death of a person in the death of the Lord Jesus. I'm submerged into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here is the calling cry of my Lord that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use his right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me, my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that represents me, sent by me to you, is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them died for sin, so they, that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. She responds, I have taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore. Because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. My beloved, for evidence of his love, has stretched out his hand to me, because the, of the offering which I presented testifies. So the latch of the door, this is the offering when a person offers himself as a living sacrifice, of the offering which I presented testifying of my respect towards God, and called me to liberty from the dependence of my old man with his deeds, and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act, and I rose from wounds of death by the power of his resurrection, and I cast off the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise, and the words of my mouth, like myrrh, would produce incense from the foreign horns of the golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture presented in the format of a dialogue, we paid our attention to five moments, and these are 
the most beautiful of women, confessing her state as a whole. I sleep, but my heart is vigilant. The voice of the beloved being the response to her state, he stretched out, stretched out his hand through the latch of the door. The first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, the dialogue between them, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we have already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the elaborate version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of God that she receives through the latch of the door and the dew of the drops. And dew and drops, as we know, are the teaching, the teaching shall flow as and shall pour down like rain and shall come down as the dew. And in the original it says, the locks, the dew upon my locks. And so the delegated authority of God, that is where the dew is, upon those people that God sends to us. Their head is filled with the dew. And their mouth is overfilled with this dew. And as we together have now understood, the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched his hand is presenting yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for his good service. And to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for the most beautiful of women, it was necessary to take off the sinful man with his works. I've taken off the robe of the sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my, sons, my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to, to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. We note that in Hebrew, the phrase, I have taken off the robe of the old man, means to tear, tear off the skin from an animal while it's still alive. Therefore, the phrase, I have taken off the robe, means I have allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that my, in my sufferings I lose my former life. Normally, before an offering was laid upon the altar, they slaughtered or killed the animal. After that, they removed its skin and washed its legs and insides with water. In this situation, however, we're talking about such an offering whose skin is removed while it's still alive. Its legs and insides are washed with water, and in this form, the living sacrifice is laid upon the altar. In this manner, before a person is dressed into humbleness, which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sins before the sons of his mother, as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother, sins that they committed against him, <coughs> it will be necessary for him to take off the robe of the sinful man. When we forgive each other, we wash the feet of each other. And to do this, it will be necessary for <coughs> to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ. And to prompt our memory how to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ where we are presented with the ability to take off the robe of the sinful man so that we can present ourselves to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, we turn to the commandments, statutes, and instructions that explain within rightful boundaries our collaboration with the cross of Christ. In a particular format, we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross, and the difference between our cross and the cross of Christ, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ, or what price is to be paid for the right to collaborate the carrying of our cross with the cross of Christ. 
По каким признакам нам следует Потому что сами по себе 12 камней жертвенника являют цели или мотивы человеческого сердца. То есть жертвенник Господень это наши мотивы, выраженные в стремлении поставить Первой живой жертвой, представившей себя на этом жертвеннике, служащим образом креста, является сам Христос, который открыл для нас своей живой жертвой путь к наследию, содержащемуся в его причистой крови. Он был живым водружен на крест. Обычно до него все жертвы закалались. Это впервые жертва была живой, возложена на алтарь, на крест. В Новом Иерусалиме образом живой жертвы на жертвеннике из 12 камней представлены 12 жемчужных ворот. And so we also have been studying the pearly gates. If you know that pearls is, a, is the result of the suffering of a mollusk in order for it to uh, protect itself from whatever has fallen into it, it begins to wrap that stone or whatever fell in into the, into the pearl. This is the ability of, <coughs> of a person to overcome suffering. Который является ключом к наследию крови Христовой, представленной в Новом Иерусалиме в древе жизни, которая 12 раз приносит плоды. The first living sacrifice that presented himself upon the altar, and the altar in this case being the cross, is Christ himself. That, was open, that has opened to us with his living sacrifice the path, the path to the inheritance contained in his precious blood. We in a particular format have already studied the names of the twelve patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. The twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has presented itself a sacrifice to God. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ. The sign of carrying our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the result of resurrection that, has, that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ in the image of the tree of life that yields its fruit twelve times bearing its fruit each month. We turn to specific signs and feasts that are called to be present and flow in our hearts and the fruit of the tree of life, bearing fruit 12 months of the year of the holy year, these are to serve for us as evidence that we collaborate with the cross of Christ when we carry our cross. Galatians 5.22-25 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are not separate uh, fruits, but these are a unity of one. 
И в нем вот and есть это, когда вы берете и говорите, вот в яблоке там есть такие элементы, такие элементы, такие элементы. Так вот в плоде духа есть вот такие элементы. И когда вот такой плод духа есть, в нем есть эти элементы, и And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The scriptures say, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if you are Christ, you carrying your cross will collaborate with the cross of Christ. You crucify your passions and ambitions and desires. An incredible place of scripture when people, many people read but don't pay attention to. Based on this place of scripture, the spirit, the fruits of the spirit in the nine listed is evidence that we are Christ. From the other side, it is the result of the fact that we crucified our flesh with its passions and desires. The fruit of the spirit is the expression of the love agape towards God and your neighbor. And such a fruit of love is first of all not emotions but responsibility that is a specific act that disciplines the emotions and leads the emotions if after itself. If you, love my, if you love me, keep my commandments. The commandment says who you need to communicate with and who you don't communicate with. It is selective, the love of God. And if we hear the demonic expression, God loves everyone, then this is clearly a demonic expression. God does not love everyone. He is a selecting, he has a selective love. If you loved everyone, then he would save the love and the demon, the world, the demons, and everybody. He saves only the sinner that comes to him and repents. Those who do not come and repent, he hates those. He loves those who love him and hates those who hate him. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Those who follow my commandments, those who will receive a comforter that will be with them forever, he will comfort them. If you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and does not comfort you, that means you're not following the commandments because you don't know how to follow them. The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. If a person leaves abandonment, then he... That means he's not fulfilling the commandments, then the Holy Spirit cannot uh, satisfy, be satisfied with the Holy Spirit and He... And a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, I live, you will also live. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he, and in order to have them and follow them, you need to have them upon the tablets of your heart. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 14, 15-21, the Lord will reveal himself in your heart, and you will dine with him, you will be the happiest people on earth. Wherever you may be, whatever may happen with you, whatever sickness you may have, whatever loss, but your heart will be joyful because you have communication with Jesus that has appeared himself in your heart, because you followed him. 
Buddha's commandments, following the commandments in which we need to yield fruits of the Spirit, in the nine listed will be testimony in our heart that we crucified our flesh with its lusts and, lusts and desires and have become the sons of light. Specifically, following the commandments will testify the fact that we have crucified our passions and uh, sinful desires. The love agape that we are called to express when we fulfill the Lord's commandments is a selective love, which means that for one people it will be a foul odor to death, and for the other people it will be a fragrant odor to life. This is to those who say that God loves everyone. How can you love everyone if the disciples that had the fragrant of Christ, this fragrance killed one and blessed the other. That means not everyone. Therefore, revealing your love to God and your neighbor when you fulfill the Lord's commandments, we are revealing light in the Lord and are behaving as children of light, which means then that the nine listed fruits of the Spirit can reveal themselves in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. For if you were once in darkness, but now you are a light to the Lord, walk as children of light. And although you may be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you, will, you can remain in darkness and not be the Lord, because we don't have the fruits of the Spirit. For the fruits of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Revealing in your heart the nine fruits of the Spirit is revealing virtue in your faith. And in virtue you reveal knowledge, and in knowledge we reveal self-control. <coughs> and in self-control we receive pres uh, reveal perseverance, from perseverance godliness, from godliness brotherly kindness, and from brotherly kindness love. For if these things are <coughs> yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1.5-8 Therefore to present evidence that we crucified our flesh with its passions and desires, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we have been studying the image of the fruits of the Spirit in the, in the signs and peace that abide in our heart within the twelve months, which is the tree of life contained in the inheritance of the blood of Christ. We enter into the perishable inheritance of treasure contained in the blood of Christ through the twelve pearly gates that contain in themselves the twelve principles that testify of our collaboration carrying our cross of the cross of Christ. Studying the signs and feasts that are contained in each new month of the year, we will remember that in the Old Testament identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that needs to be opened up in the New Testament, where a person received justification by the gift of grace independent from the law of Moses, which produced wrath. From the other side, identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life. We together have already studied the fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the tree of life that yielded in the first month of the year Abib or Nisan, and have been studying the signs and feasts that were included and are written in Scripture in the second month of the holy year, the month Ziv or Iyar, the month of flowers. This is approximately somewhere in the middle of April or middle of May. 
We note that in the second month, the result of the collaboration of our carrying our cross with the cross of Christ is the fruit of the tree of life. Uh, this is, was the start of the building of the Temple of Solomon. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width 20, and its height 30 cubits. First Kings 6.1.2. Considering that the image of fruit that we are called to, the tree of life is called to bear in the month of Ziv in our heart is constructing yourself into a spiritual house, a holy nation. We came to the conclusion that the measurements of the temple that present the faith of our heart, the measurements of the temple is the faith of our heart that is to be written upon the tablets of our heart by receiving in your heart principles of sanctification and dedication through the instructions of faith that is for, uh, by learning. Confessing the faith of your heart, you then build yourself as a spiritual house in a royal, holy priesthood. Before we build ourselves, or are able to build of ourselves the holy house, it is necessary to leave the position of spiritual childhood, which means to become spiritual. Otherwise, it will not be possible to perform sanctification or dedication for uh, in sanctification. Specifically, confessing the faith of your heart identifies our state. A person of the of flesh will not be able to confess the things of spirit, and the people of spirit will not be able to proclaim the things of the flesh. A person of the flesh, in his confessions, are basing everything upon the abilities of their intellect or intellect of other people. A spiritual person comes from the faith of his heart and bases everything upon the abilities of the, the faith of his heart that he received through the instructions of faith. The faith of the heart is information, that, not emotions and feelings. This is the faith of the heart that comes from above, from heaven, by the person that God sends and can be received only with the heart. <clears throat> At the same time, intellectual knowledge <clears throat> is information that comes by the abilities of the, li of the living on earth intellect. This is how Christ explains this principle. John 3.31-36 He who comes from above is about above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has an everlasting life. He who believes that means who is obedient to the Son or obedient to the word that God sent through his or through his anointed, have everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Therefore, before we build ourselves into the image of God, that is our body into the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God desires to live, God mixing himself into a person or uh, being saturated into a person, we need to bear the fruits of the Spirit, and that is the fruit of humility. Or, or the scriptures say, do not be as uh, spiritual children, but be react or behave uh, to evil or hate as a child would. Jesus had prayed the prayer saying, I thank you, Father, that you 
revealed this to children, your truth, that you revealed your truth to children. And he called his disciples as children, they have the quality of a child. The quality of a child is the dynamic of the growing lily. Jesus had this quality as well. Because the pain and that hate and that spitting that he experienced, he would not have been able to say to these people or about these people, forgive them, they know not what they do. But those who inspired these people, he said, may all of the righteous blood be upon you. He had this quality of a child. In scripture, the quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is love for the milk of the word that gives them the ability to grow into salvation. Some people think that if they consume milk, that means they're children. It says, as children love the milk, love the Word of God. The Word of God is not milk. You love, the, you love it as the milk. That doesn't mean your children and what you hear is milk. Second quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the absence of the organ that accepts resentment and bitterness because they rely upon God as the great or high judge. This organ judges when a person is hurt, this person judges, but this people don't. They uh, allow God to judge and to take hold of the situation. Third quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the ability to taste the goodness of God. Fourth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is the quality of the living precious stone that in its consistency in, is in accordance to the chief cornerstone. And you as living stones be built into a royal house or a holy house. And so if the category of spiritual children cannot build themselves into a holy house because they look at everything as in a dim mirror. The fifth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is a chosen nation and a kingdom of priests. This is to them, it says, you are a holy people, a chosen nation. Sixth quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses is to proclaim the perfection of the one who called them, the father from darkness into his miraculous light. The category of spiritual children are not able to proclaim the perfection of the one who called them. And finally, quality of a child, seventh quality of a child that a student of Christ possesses gives God the ability to reveal to them his mercy. If they have this quality of a child as a student, then there is no, then he will reveal his mercy. I will read all of these in one place of scripture, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, and so the category of spiritual children cannot lay aside, remove from themselves this old man, how to remove this robe, how to tear off the skin from themselves, how to die for their nation, for their house, for their desires. They don't know this. But it says, therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit, as newborn babes, you're not babes, but as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. 
If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, the category of spiritual children, they're not able to eat a taste of the good of, good of God. Coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, they will not be able to approach him as a living stone. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy, holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. And so this stone is precious for those that are his chosen and is as a stumbling stone for those who are not. Therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief stone, uh, cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumbled, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 1 Peter 1-10. Небесный Отец, которыми обладает Сын Божий, Дух Святой, и которыми обладает невеста Агнца, имеющая в своем сердце свойства лилии и долин. Далее Further, мы отметили, что condition that is present in the holy people possessing the quality of a child and the condition that is absent in people that are in the category of spiritual ch children is the existence of a foundation in their heart that is the chief cornerstone precious and selected presented in their heart in the measurements of the temple they don't know how to follow the commandments of God because every commandment has its statutes. They don't know how, who to obey and who not to obey, who to be friends with and who not to be friends with, who to love and who they not, are not supposed to love. They have just titles, they, they love everyone, and but for some reason when they say love, we need to love everyone. But I ask, why do you not love us? That you mock us, that you... Uh, pervert our, the, the teaching, but they, they say you need to love everyone, then why didn't you love us, I ask. The unique condition that is present in the holy people possessing the quality of a child and the condition that is absent in people that are in the category of spiritual children is the consistency of their heart that is in accordance to the requirements of the precious chief cornerstone. Based upon these, this truth, we need to forever remember that the holy people that are within the category of spiritual children cannot be a chosen nation, a holy priesthood, a chosen nation, and so they are not able to have the abilities to proclaim the perfection of one who called them 
into his miraculous light. The next image of fruit that the tree of life bears into the second month Ziv of the holy year is contained in the name of the wilderness Ziv. This is the wilderness where David hid from the jealousy of Saul. In this situation, we studied the image of the category of the called, which is Saul, and the image of the category of the chosen, which is David. 1 Samuel 23, 14, And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. This was the second name of the second month. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. When we will have this kind of month, Ziph, then God will not submit us into or deliver us into the hand of our enemy. The second month Ziv was called the month of flowers. This is the fruit of hope upon God. This was before God a symbol or image of the fragrance of Christ that revealed itself in the ability of not peddling the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2.15-17 For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life and who is sufficient for these things. For the one it is death and for the other it's the life and who is sufficient for these things. Who is sufficient to have this kind of love to punish the one and bless the other. And he says here, who is able, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak to the sight of God in Christ. The category of the called are those holy people that received salvation, but began to peddle with the word of God. Doing so, they did not establish their salvation in which the Holy Spirit would have been able to become the Lord of their life. Therefore, the Holy Spirit Spirit leaves them and they are given into the power of the evil spirit that tortures them. The category of the chosen are those holy people that received salvation and established it by not peddling the word of God. In this way, they confirmed or established their salvation and the Holy Spirit became the Lord of their life. The Holy Spirit abides upon them and with them wherever they may go. This is what it says about David, wherever he may go, the Lord was with him. The next image of fruit that the tree of life bears in the second month Zeev is, is the ability for the people that have begun to prepare themselves for the celebration of Pesach in the first month, but did not make the time to be able to celebrate Pesach in the first month. And they will receive the ability to celebrate it in the 14th, 14th day of the second month. Numbers 9, 9 through 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover on the fourteenth day of the second month. At twilight they may keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is clean and is not on a, on a journey and, and ceases to keep the Passover that some persons shall be cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offering of the Lord as its appointed time. That man shall bear his sins. This exception belongs to those who began their sanctification process but being on the path were not purified on time. This exception does not belong to those who have rejected sanctification in accordance to God's required norms and means and established their own personal norms and personal means. Therefore, the ability to celebrate Pesach on the 14th, 14th day of 
the second month, see, shows us who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And this ability is very well shown in the prophecy of prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 9, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cease delivery, says the Lord, shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb, says, says your God? <clears throat> God will hold uh, uh, the bride or <coughs> restrain himself from rapturing the bride to <coughs> allow others to prepare. So don't be afraid and when you say, will I make it? If you receive by faith that promise and you received it and it became living for you, then you will make it. <coughs> Grow it, water it, and look at this promise. And finally, the concluding image of fruit that the tree of life bears in the second month's eve of the holy year is the ability for those who, due to specific reasons, ended up in the Moabite fields to return to their inheritance in Christ. That is presented in the second month's eve in the general gathering or cleaning of barley and wheat. This is specifically the time that Naomi with her daughter-in-law Ruth returned from the fields of Moab. Ruth 1.19-22 Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? <clears throat> so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Almighty's, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. The reason for why this holy family ended up in a foreign or strange place was hunger in the land of Israel. The hunger finally had reached the fields of Moab and all that this family took out with them from the land of their dwelling diminished. If that wasn't enough, Elimelech and their two sons, Mahlon and Philon, died, not leaving any descendants. And in this uneasy time, Naomi, together with her two daughters-in-law, Orpha and Ruth, heard that the Lord visited his people and gave them bread. And Naomi left with her two daughters-in-law and went to the land of Judea, to Bethlehem, and arrived in Bethlehem at the barley harvest. You know, the marriage of Boaz and Ruth allowed Boaz to buy back the land of Elimelech and Naomi and their two sons, and to restore the seed of Mahlon, Ruth's deceased husband, by the sons, they, the son that they had, Obed. This inheritance of Elimelech and Mahlon, all of these, these two all this went over to the sons of Ruth, Obed. It wasn't Boaz's. He restored the seed, but it did not belong to him. It belonged to Obed. 
<coughs> in him the seed was restored. In this way, the ability to regain your inheritance was bankruptcy upon the fields of Moab that opened up a path to buying back your inheritance by Boaz and restoring your seed. We need to understand that in ourselves how the seed will be restored. Because the seed that we receive in the beginning being people of the flesh, being in spiritual childhood, it will die. Because when we receive in the position of childhood, uh, spiritual childhood, it is painful and it is hurtful. And we think that we're burning for God, but it is emotions that burn. Uh, God, the true uh, <coughs> power in God is following God's commandment. We will see this is truly so. You need bankruptcy for the seed to be restored. For Naomi, this bankruptcy with the death of Elimelech, her husband, his name means my God is king. Elimelech. The name of Naomi, Naomi means God is bliss or pleasantness. This wonderful union produced the fruit of death in the name of their son Mahlon, the husband of Ruth, whose name means illness. The name of Ruth means friendly. In this situation, the union of Elimelech and Naomi is the union of a man with God based upon the law of Moses, which is the law of deeds that prompts the wrath of God and produces death that we see in their son Mahlon. It is written Romans 4, 13 through 15, for the promise that we, he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. <coughs> the, the union of Boaz... The name Boaz itself means a sharp mind, and Ruth, which means friendly, is based upon the law of grace or the symbol of it. The result was the, of their union was their son Obed. This is one who is within the boundaries of the law of faith. The name Obed means the servant of God or comfort. This person received justification freely by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, in this fruit, Obed. And this kind of justification from beginning and end was the redeeming and perfect work of God that was done by redeeming a person by the blood of the cross of Christ. Justification by faith from beginning to end was the redemption that God had done in the redemption of a person in the blood of the cross of Christ. Let's read this interesting place of Scripture, Ruth 4, 9 through 17. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have brought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Mahlon's. God purchases the spirit, soul, and body. From the hand of Naomi, moreover Ruth the Moabiteness, the wi widow of Mahlon, I have acquired as my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead through its inher his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. 
And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses, the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Jesus to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from his young from this young woman so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and when he went into her the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son then the woman said to Naomi blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be famous in Israel we know that Obed is the father of Jesse also is Je is is his son is Jesse if you know and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons has born him then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor's women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. If you paid attention, this touching story is some way crossed with the story of the lost son that went far away and there lost everything living living a sinful life. When he lost everything, there was a great hunger in that place, and he had great need and remembered that the servants in his father's house have a lot of bread, but that he is dying from hunger. He returned to the house of his father's house poor. And due to the fact that he was poor, or due to his poverty, he entered into the joy of his Lord and received the good that he never had. Hunger and thirst for the bread of righteousness is that principle based upon which a man is able to enter into the joy of his Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5, 6. And the older son did not hunger and thirst for this bread. He was there, but he didn't need it. He had his own clothing. He had his, he had his own friends that were not friends of the father. But this one came poor. And when we read that Bethlehem uh, became excited, Naomi returned. Of course, a person doesn't understand joy when a person sows seed in tears and in loss and sicknesses and sows these tears. They don't understand it, but Bethlehem rejoices that Naomi returned. No one will be able to eat of the righteousness of God that comes from his truth, this being the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, if you will not have hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God reveals itself when a man prepares his heart to listen to the word of truth, so that as soon as he hears it, he immediately and with joy fulfills it. If a person does not prepare their heart to listen to the preached preach word of truth when he clings or when he comes to the church, then he clings or identifies himself with the 
the category of the unbeliever or those who resist the truth. And although in the beginning, like Orpha, belonged to the salvation and come out together with Naomi from the land of Moab, they place themselves into the category of condemnation or eternal damnation as they refuse to establish their salvation or to obey the truth to leave their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires. When Naomi said, I can't bear for your, you, leave me, go to your own gods and to your own nations, Orpha cried and went. But Ruth said that your nation shall be my nation. And this means I die for my nation. Your God will be my God, which means I die for my God that was once my God through the genetical uh, inheritance from my fathers, and she went with her. These things we need to understand. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is actually not really the right uh, interpretation of the truth that is in the original. He says through John, <coughs> children don't love the world or what's in the world. <coughs> and so here we read, for God so loved the world. God loved in the world his believers and not the world itself. This is how it's supposed to be. For God did not believe in the if God so loved the world, then why are only those who believe are So why then only those who believe are saved? It contradicts itself a little bit here. And so the, the translation of this is not exactly accurate from the original. God loves the sinners in the world, but only those sinners that repent, that have admitted their sins and are suffering from the sins they have. And as the lost son, I will stand and go. As Naomi sees hunger in this land, she heard that there's bread in the land of Bethlehem, the house of bread. I will stand and go to him, to my father. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's talking about those holy people that will be saved in the world. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. <coughs> when people take from this place of scripture and take only the part where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that the, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, this allows them to interpret then the love of God in a way that God's love is not selective. Mm -hmm. 
and does not only include those that receive God's word in the form of the seed. A person, in order to quench the thirst of God, needs to put on the ability of the student of Christ, the student of Christ, and learns humility and obedience. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The world will not come to him, but only those who are labor and are heavy laden that see in the Father there's much bread and I am dying. Only those will come. And he says, when you see this, that I have bread and you don't have anything, you're bankrupt. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. <coughs> for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28-30. The Mo Moabite fields is where God brings a person to complete bankruptcy, where a person dies for his nation, for his house, and his personal corrupt desires. The poverty of the Spirit allows, by the means of the teaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to elevate a person to the land of Israel, where his mind then unites with the mind of Christ, where our spirit unites with the mind of Christ. And because of the unity of our spirit with the mind of Christ, we then began the work of dressing ourselves into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The land of Israel is a symbol of the gathering of the saints of God, or the body of Christ, with the boundaries of which God has promised to fulfill all of his oaths. And so the land of the Moabites are the category of the called. This is Orpha who had refused to leave her nation, her house, and her corrupt desires and return to her house. The nation of Israel, or the land of Israel, is a, the category of the call, uh, chosen that have left their corrupt desires, their house, and their nation, and have dressed themselves into the beauty of the bride of the Lamb that the Lord will desire, and receive the right to enter and to the presence of the face of God and to worship him. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also in your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Psalm 45, 10, 11. To forget your nation and your house and everything that I have is to be bankrupt and then the father will greatly desire your beauty. This is the fruit of the second month. If we will have seed of the second month, we will also have the fruit. So now let us pray and thank God that we were able to hear today and everyone who wants to uh, become free today from poverty or sin or, or the weaknesses, the inability to save or help yourself, you need to know that you are in a wonderful place because for such people is the kingdom of heaven revealed. Bethlehem rejoices. And Naomi, not understanding the joy, calls it as bitterness. But God says, give, them a, give him new clothes, bring a ring, uh, slaughter the best sheep, because my son or my daughter was lost and has been found, has returned. Now she returned from her own ways. She no longer has this, I understand my way, I understand my way. She came as a student, she came to learn, not as an inspector. But as a student, she says, Lord, everything that you say, I will do. Let us pray. And all those who desire, 
altar is open, open it's here. The Holy Spirit is here. We will pray you. Possibly today, the Holy Spirit will heal you from some kind of wound, from kind of pain, some kind of sickness, delivery from some kind of dependence. We'll open up new horizons and a new light will come. Amen. Right now, I'm going to be praying your prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He's ready right now to pull you out of a sinful dependence from fear. He's ready right now to send into your heart a healing power. Give you, uh, give you that faith in healing and the ability to start everything again, to cleanse you, to justify you and bring you to himself. Close your eyes, your secret room, and lift your hands as a sign that you're ready to receive from God what he desires to give you. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with a broken heart, with the wounds of my heart. I come with fear, with shame. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, Cleanse me, cover my shame, protect me from evil, protect me from fear, protect me from shame, protect me from sicknesses. I open up my heart, I accept your words, the words that you with which you created the world, the word that you heal with, the word that you resurrect with, the word that you forgive with, it is mine. I accept it. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all the promises and healings and liberty be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. And now let us all together proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.